0: Win and get help. Uh, Get out the rosary beads. Do whatever you have to do. Ravens jersey. um, What other? No, not a Ravens jersey. Bengals jersey. Texans jersey. Bills jersey. Steelers jersey. Terrible towel. Uh, You want it flushed down the toilet last week. You want it in your living room this week. Kevin Bowen back. Kevin's corner. um, We've got Ross Lovers back with us. Uh, He was too emotional to be on the pod on Monday. But he has calmed down. Although when he heard the news earlier today, maybe... Uh, that stress level has risen but he's back Uh, you guys love him Ross uh, happy
1: early new year happy early new year and happy early new year to all you listeners out there and hope you had a great holiday season thanks for having me of course man as always you are great on the pod
0: and we appreciate your time Uh, we've got a lot to get into this is probably our busiest Wednesday pod of the year to be honest with you Uh, we're gonna run down playoff scenarios I did want to mention just kind of briefly the identity of who the 2020 Colts are. I feel like I get that question a lot, so I just want to go over that before uh, Twitter questions as well. Obviously, three key... There is a football game on Sunday. I feel like we haven't given a whole lot of thought to that, although some might argue um, how competent the Jacksonville Jaguars are, Um, so we'll give a prediction, but let's start with the news of the day, Ross. Um, Anthony Costanzo done for the season. I have long been an advocate uh, that he is the most important player on this football team. The listeners of this podcast certainly have heard that from me a lot. Uh, Look at the numbers. Honestly, if you don't even believe just my words, um, basically the Colts are like four points better with Costanzo in the line. I mean, think about that. One possession game, parody-driven NFL, a offensive lineman makes a four-point difference. Crazy win-loss record I mean it would be the equivalent of like a five or six win difference over the course of a season
1: when you look at what he's meant so uh just crushing news when I when I heard that and what you and I were talking about a little bit before this is the injury just seemed like such a Colts injury um you know I didn't really get into the ins and outs of it you know more but Frank Reich mentioned it was an ankle uh and a half speed drill in practice I don't know man
0: it's uh yeah this is a. Uh Oh gosh, it does. It does sound like Andrew Luck type, you know, just kind of freakish stuff that happens. I mean, DeForest Buckner gets hurt at practice a few weeks ago, and that's a topic maybe we get into in the offseason. But uh, let's start here on Costanzo. Again, there's no one more important because there's a trickle-down effect. And we saw it Sunday. When you don't have your tackles, first off, your quarterback is susceptible to being hit, which Mm -hmm. is obviously a big deal. Phillip Rivers sacked the most. He's been sacked all year. And then secondly, your offense now all of a sudden has to commit another resource to protecting that tackle, the blind side. Now again, Jacksonville, okay, they don't even have Josh Allen, so you know it's probably not even that pressing of a, a of a deal. But when you're talking about this team of the month of January in real games, boy, I mean it's just okay. Naeem Hines has got to stay in. Michael Pittman's got a chip. Trey Burton's got a chip. And now you're only sending three or four guys out on the route tree. And now all of a sudden, a passing offense that has struggled here at times, just creating separation, it's hindered because it doesn't have all of their available resources out there. So, if I were running the show, I'd probably go Quentin Nelson. Now, the signing of Jared Veld here is intriguing to me, Ross, the more I think about it. When you think left tackle, it's not the most taxing position mentally, like it's not a center where you're dealing with constant communication and and barking out calls and there's the mic, there's the mic and you and the quarterback have to be on the same page for the most part. And and look, there's still some communication aspect to left tackle, but compared to the other spots on the line, it's pretty much just mano y mano. Like there's the D end, you block him. And if the nickel corner blitzes, who cares? You still block that D end. So from a mental standpoint, it shouldn't be too taxing on a guy like Veld here, who has started 100, I think, in 13, 113 games in his career. Started for the Packers last year in the playoffs. You would think that wouldn't be again as big of an issue for a guy that hasn't been in your building all year long. Now, having said that, the dude hasn't played football this season, and he's 33. So there's certainly a physical aspect to playing that position as well. But I would go with Nelson. You know the handful of snaps that we saw. Against the Raiders. The Colts seem to be really pleased with, with how he looked there to me. That allowed, I think you have more adequate guard options in your building. Danny Pinter, maybe Jake Eldrin Camp, Joey Hunt is on the um, COVID list. He's the guy that actually filled in um, when Nelson moved over against the Raiders. So I tried to sneak that in to Frank Reich earlier today, and unfortunately the call got over before I could ask that. But um, that's what I would do. I know a lot of people want Braden Smith over at left tackle, I don't think Braden Smith has ever taken a snap in college or the NFL at, on the left side of the line. I mean, think about how just different, just body movement-wise that is. You're so used to, Quentin Nelson's used to sliding to his left anyways, or, you know, planting with that left foot, you know, a little bit further back, I guess, in some pass sets than his right foot, and that would be the exact opposite if you asked him to go play right tackle, and obviously that that's the issue for Braden, so...
1: Regardless, crushing news, dude. Crushing news for the Colts. The Sucks, Colts faithful.
0: Sucks. So I um, wanted to wanted to cover that there um, there at the start, and I know we won't have any Twitter questions on that. I've got an article that goes a little bit deeper, um, but again, you guys know full well what I think of Anthony Costanzo. I guess lastly, Ross, before we get into playoff
1: scenarios, we should probably mention what about Anthony Costanzo's future. I was just gonna ask, is this is this threatening his career? Or is what's the vibe on the longevity of this injury?
0: So Wright said not career ending. Um now Wright didn't, you know, hadn't never really heard of this injury, but again, needs surgery, but not career ending. But you also gotta think, look at Costanza's season. Yeah. MCL, this ankle, and then Ribs, I think it was ribs at one point earlier in the year. Yeah, I think he missed that Cleveland game with with with, uh, with a rib injury. So I mean, I can't recall any time in his career he's ever missed game due to three separate injuries. So, I, you at know, age thirty two, I know, and and that is a great point. And, and I, you guys know that like when I heard the Costanzo retirement you news or possibility this time last year, ironically enough, I wasn't stunned because he is just a, he's just not like. Football, football, eat it, drink it, sleep it, and I do that 365 days out of the year. But, I mean, he still loves the game and is very committed to his work ethic and all that, but he's just not one of those guys. So, what does this do? Does this hinder him in any way? Does this say, all right, enough is enough. I don't want to do this, like you said, at the age of 32. Um, Again, it doesn't sound like it's some devastating back Achilles 32 concussion sort of thing, but still um it it just it further adds to the importance um of what we have said and i said it on monday's podcast the biggest mistake chris ballard made this off season was just an inadequate uh commitment to addressing backup tackle and like i don't think the colt's are that injury plagued necessarily at tackle costanza what he'll have missed i don't know 3 or 4 games this year Brain smith will have missed one game. Uh, Mark Golinski hasn't missed a game. Quentin Nelson hasn't missed a game. And Ryan Kelly has missed one. So you're going to tell an NFL team at the start of the year, you'll miss five total games out of 80 possible. 16 games for your five starters. Five out of 80? Where do I sign up? Yeah. Like, so... It's it's just a... Um, just it, happening at the wrong time. It's certainly. All, couldn't. You know. And let I me mean, think about it. Braden Smith against the Steelers. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. Costanzo against the Steelers. Uh, Costanzo against Miles Garrett, you know, back in that Browns game. Certainly. It, it's definitely at the wrong time. But this is life for offensive linemen in this league. Mm-hmm. Like, they get hurt. And they play a demanding physical position. And it's just such a head-scratcher to me that Chris Ballard, uh, particularly a tackle, did not
1: address that in a more serious manner. Live and learn. Um, hopefully, hopefully, moving forward here, they uh, you know they're able to figure it out. But, and, and, um, and
0: last thing, quickly, Ross, before we go to playoff scenarios, I this does not change what I think of Sunday at all. The Colts, yeah. you or I or you know Rosie Bow could be at left tackle, and we'd give her some help, um, and we would beat the Jaguars. <laughs> I, I I think I mean that in all seriousness. They are that bad of a football team
1: that beat us earlier this year. Um, <sighs> All right. A lot of playoff scenarios. A lot of things need to happen on Sunday. There might be more eyeballs uh, from Colts fans on other games and not the Colts Jags. So let's walk through those really quickly.
0: Okay. Well, first, Ross, are you doing the emotional feel good parlay for the Colts? I have to. You got to. I love
1: it. We have a Twitter question about it here uh, that we'll get into. But I I love that. I love that play.
0: We'll we'll, we'll wait on that. I find it interesting that all of the teams the Colts um, need to win, they're all playing at home. all playing at home. Kind of intriguing. So uh, that's your good news. Now, your bad news is the potential quarterbacks that you need to root for. Deshaun Watson is your first quarterback who's the most important one because that would be winning the division, potentially, if uh, the Texans can beat the Titans. Uh, that speaks you know, for itself. Now, I don't think Laramie Tunsell is playing, um, which that is a big loss. Now, secondly, Matt Barkley or Josh Allen. Uh, as we record this early Wednesday afternoon, we still don't know that from the Bills, Sean McDermott. Is going pretty close to the best with
1: this. Um, Bills did not, or the Bills rested players last year and then got bounced by the Texans first round. So do you think that point. that plays into McDermott's thought process? Of great research first by Ross Lovers. <laughs> um, this man does
0: not half ass. His effort when he comes on Kevin's corner, we all should just be <laughs> super appreciative of that. You know, Ross, I, I, I sit here and I'm like, and I'm kind of surprised Pittsburgh's resting. Like, you've been the most inconsistent team over the last month, and you're resting with the two seed. So, like, does the two seed not matter? I, I, like, that's that's two home games. I know there's no fans, but, like, logistically, you know, locker room-wise, I don't know, you can control your own music and play Renegade whenever you want to. Like, I, I, I'm surprised
1: at Pittsburgh and potentially Buffalo – Will be resting, guys. Is wh- who's all resting for Pittsburgh? I know Big Ben, which that makes sense just because of his age, and he kind of got beat up the last couple weeks. But do they have other key players that? So Tomlin hasn't said who, but like
0: you know, I know Stefan Tuitt missed two days of practice last week. You know, TJ Watt got hurt. You know, during that Colts game, at one point came back in. You know, you got to think some of those. You know, Connor, James Connor has kind of been in and out as well. So I, they haven't confirmed that, but um, so yeah, so the four games, Colts need one of these four to happen. Texans beat the Titans. Bengals beat the Ravens. Steelers beat the Browns. Bills beat the Dolphins. Correct. So your quarterbacks, potentially. Deshaun Watson, Matt Barkley, Mason Rudolph, Brandon Allen. I, the last three, I don't Yeah. Yeah. Boy. God. Good luck. I don't know. You know. Rosie has a rosary bee that she prays, that she chews on. Um, I don't know if you guys want to go out and buy one of those. But um, in all seriousness, I think one of these four will happen. Like, if you're going to give me an NFL parlay in a given week,
1: there's a good chance that four-game parlay doesn't hit. I, 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 I think there's a better chance that it, that that the Colts do make it in, but there is just that slight sliver, especially with these those quarterbacks you just named. I don't know. I'll be rooting on the Texans. So best case scenario would be Texans beating the Titans. And that's a 425. The other three all at 1 o'clock. And one other thing is –
0: and this is an article form on the website. We'll not get into this on the podcast because Ross would be breaking into the vodka that is close (laughs) by if if so. The Colts could get in via some ties. Um, Now, I hate ties. I think they're the softest thing in the world. It's like, you know, it's like playing – rummy cube with maddie and you know i win the first game she wins the second and i'm like let's play a third yeah and she's like no we both won one yeah that means one of us needs to go to bed as a winner and the other is a loser let's go I, know. I you know i i i play to win but whatever there are some ties that are actually in the colts favor but again that's an article form check that out and uh as ross mentioned we will get to a podcast question i believe referring to the emotional feel good
1: parlay Correct. So I I think most likely Bills beat the Dolphins, but best case scenario would be Texans taking down the Titans. Yeah, I agree.
0: Uh, Bengals, Ravens, no chance. Um, Browns, Steelers, I don't know, man. Maybe this COVID thing with the Browns, who knows.
1: But still, you're betting on Mason Mason Rudolph revenge game on Miles Garrett. Yeah, well, I mean, if the the Browns team that that showed up against the Jets last week shows up this week, then... That's a good point. Or if the Browns team that showed up against the the uh, Ravens on that awesome Monday night game, we're going to be in trouble. All righty. All good there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's um, lo- yeah, let's hit on this before we go to Twitter questions. Talk about identity. Yeah, you know,
0: again, I get this question a lot. And, you know, potentially we are talking about a playoff team, you know, here in, in 2020. Like, who are the Colts? And, and, you know, why are they so Jekyll and Hyde? And they're up and down this first half and that second half. And, like, you know, I'm also a big believer in, like, You know, when you're Jekyll and Hyde, when you're up and down, that kind of means you're an inconsistent football team. That kind of means you're in eighth place in the AFC right now. Like, that's just just life in the National Football League. Um, But I do feel like there are some definite strengths of this football team. I would say pass protection when healthy, of course, um, is probably the most consistent aspect offensively. We've seen all year. Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni have echoed kind of what I said on Monday's podcast, and they've taken it to another level. Frank Reich just referred to Jonathan Taylor as beast mode on uh, today's conference call and said that um, he feels like he's running as good as anybody in the NFL right now. I, I don't disagree with that, Ross. Taylor has five straight games of at least 74 rushing yards. That is very difficult to do in today's NFL. I need to double-check, but I looked it up this morning. That's the longest mark in Colts franchise history in 15 years, Edron in 2005. And it's the longest mark in the NFL this season. That's crazy. I mean, Derrick Henry's not doing that, five straight games. Dalvin Cook's not doing that. Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs, whoever else you want to throw in there. So, I mean... And, again, it's not just purely the numbers. It's how he's getting those numbers that make you miss stuff from Taylor. He's emerging right now, and you've got to ride him into this month. I'd say Phillip Rivers mentally is a big strength. That chess match aspect I think is an unquestioned strength. And then, lastly, on the strength aspect, I think this team has stopped the run, again, at a very high level. That has been the best aspect to Matt Eberflues' defenses throughout his tenure here, You know, Buckner put to the side. You know, even the previous two years, they stopped and run really well. And I think that's something um, that they that they do well.
1: I feel this going back to some, some of the high school football days, but, you know, we always preached nose, you know, have a nose for the football and make sure you get bodies to the football. I feel like this defense has a nose for the football, even when, you know, the ball's on the ground. They always seem to come up with it and their gang tackling and the energy around it. I, I love that about Flus's defense. And I,
0: I would probably throw that in there as well, Ross. I'm glad you mentioned that, that, that playmaking aspect. It's difficult to sustain that over 16 weeks. Um, obviously it was missing on Sunday. And for the most part, it's been there. Now, lately, especially from the pass defense standpoint, it, it hasn't been there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they've had like in the last like 90 pass attempts, I think they've only defensed, broken up, whatever, three of them. Yep. And it's just, you know, you, 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 you can't have that. So those are the strengths. If I had to go with kind of weaknesses or questions, um, still playing from behind, how well can you do that? I mean, think back to the Jacksonville game, the first game of the year, uh, both those interceptions, or I, I should say the, the second interception came from playing behind. Score-wise, the first interception came from when you were behind the chains. So I just think in general, that is a question. Um, the explosive nature to the air attack uh, – It's been there at times, but again, just consistently, Mm -hmm. um, I think that hinders this team. And then lastly, and this has been the biggest issue over the past month and a half, it's rush and it's cover. This Mm -hmm. team cannot rush the quarterback at a high level right now, and uh, and their coverage has lacked as well. And that's been apparent here really ever since, um, boy, I'd say the Green Bay game. So, um, again, tons of people ask me, identity, identity, identity. You know, for the most part, they protect the quarterback pretty well. You got an emerging running back. The defense stops the run. Your quarterback's super smart. But then your questions, identity-wise, it's, okay, can you win a game from behind? How well do you do th- this? is such a pass-happy league. I wouldn't slot the Colts in a, you know, pass offense better than pass defense, but I wouldn't put either, either of those you know facets of the game as, as elite or
1: even strengths per se. So, those are some questions. Absolutely. All righty. Want to dive into some Twitter questions yes, here? Sir. Yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. a bit. All right. We're going to start off with Andrew. Uh, Andrew mentions Hi, Kevin. Hope all is well. With the Steelers and maybe the Bills resting a majority of their starters, there's a chance the Colts don't get the help they need it and get into the playoffs. Potentially finishing 11 and 5 and landing what is likely the 18th overall pick doesn't seem that bad. The team didn't have to be subpar to earn that pick. There aren't questions about capabilities and expectations for the future. And it's easier to move up to get a QB from the 18th spot. What are your thoughts about that?
0: Yeah, Andrew. I mean, certainly that that's a pro when you look at the long term. Um, now, and I've tried to mention this on past pods. There, there, there's always different segments of the fan base. You know, some segment is like, unless we win the Super Bowl, I don't care. Unless we go get the AFC title game, I don't care. I'd rather go three and 13, and get a high draft pick. And there's others that are like, 2020 sucked. I want to cheer for as many wins as possible. And you know, it's kind of like so many people have asked me about do you really want to see Notre Dame in the playoff and then just get killed by Alabama? Absolutely. Yes. That means that they have had an unbelievable season and have a chance. Yes. You have a chance. I will wake up Friday morning and think to myself, holy shit, they have a chance. Now, text me at 7 p.m. and or hell, hopefully it makes it till 7 p.m. You know, maybe by 4:45, maybe it'll be different.
1: But it's just that's what being a fan is, though, is waking up on those days, on playoff games, having that feeling hope. of hope. hope. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One word, hope. Yes.
0: And in the NFL, I think more than any other professional sports league, crazy can happen okay. in the playoffs. You know, the one-and-done format and just especially in the year 2020. But no, Andrew does make a great point. I mean, you you would have the 18th overall pick uh, if the draft started today or was today. And I don't think that would change much if they make the playoffs because their record is so good uh, compared to the other teams that won't make the playoffs. But um. Yeah, certainly. I mean, 18th is a lot easier to move up or
1: whatever than 23 or 24 or something like that. If Sunday is devastating, then um, Andrew found the silver lining there, that's for sure. All right, we're going to move on to Brian. Brian says, hey, Kevin, I believe our receiving core is not getting enough blame this season. The Steelers have explosive receivers that got open and forced PIs in the second half. When watching the second half, I noticed our receivers rarely got open and definitely did not force the DBs to even get grabby with them. Despite this all or despite all this blame, or despite this, all the blame is put on the offensive line in Rivers thoughts. Yeah, yeah Brian, I, I I do think it's a good point. Um, and
0: you know, first off, I think Pittsburgh certainly has one of the deeper wideout groups in the entire NFL. I, I I really like their depth at that wideout group, you know, Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool and James Washington and obviously Juju Smith Schuster. Um, you know, I, I think a reason to this is Michael Pittman's been really quiet since Thanksgiving. Uh, Just not at, yeah, there's been the one or two catches every game where he goes for 20 or something, but you're still waiting for him, you know, to be five for 75 and a touchdown. Uh, Now Hilton has stepped up at times, but still, um, I, I just think you haven't had the continued sort of progression we saw from Pittman in late October, early November. So yeah, I definitely think some blame should go here, Brian. And you know, you guys have heard me say this, just because you've drafted Campbell Round two in 2019. Pittman early round two in 2020. Doesn't mean that you just don't look at a wideout come April. Like, you've got to look at that. You've got to look at re signing Hilton. You've got to look at Smith Schuster and Galladay and all the other wideouts that are free agents as well. It's a position group that still needs um, to get better and to upgrade there, short term and long term. So I think it's a good po- point, Brian. I think Frank Reich mentioned two of the five sacks were coverage sacks. On Sunday, maybe three of them, but definitely
1: two of them. So, um, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Brian. Thank you. Yeah, good point. Some of those pass interference calls, uh, obviously biased, but I, I don't. No, no, no. I, again, we don't we,
0: we don't talk about officiating on the podcast for longer than 30 seconds, or else my computer will blow up. But Ross brought it up, so we'll address it. The Colts got a bad whistle on Sunday. Um, more plays than than the Steelers did. Really, the only bad whistle I thought the Steelers got was on the. Zach Pascal deep ball, T.J. Watt was getting held like none other. But honestly, the Colts had a lot more go go with them.
1: Yeah, I, I think the worst call was the missed call on the offensive pass interference. Um, that uh, Rocky scene, yeah, six. Rocky scene pick six. All right, no more ref talk. The rest sorry. of that. sorry. Moving forward, Michael slash Wyatt asks, "How much? How much say does Philip have in this offense? Does he have enough? To- does he have enough to just say screw Frank's call and at the line just run maybe the ball three times in the second half so that we don't lose?"
0: Yeah, you know we got a lot of this, and I actually think it's a good question. First off, Frank Wright gives his quarterback an absurd amount of authority at the line of scrimmage, particularly Philip Rivers. I mean, Philip yeah. Rivers is the son that I don't think Frank Reich ever had. I think he has three daughters. Um, so, yeah, I mean, first off, if you're going to play quarterback in Frank Reich's system, you will have a lot of authority, but especially if you're Phillip Rivers. And they mentioned after the game, we talked about this on Monday, that there were probably several run checks. I tweeted it out when the play happened. It was the uh, first t- – I think the first touchdown of the game. Is that Taylor? I think it
1: was the first was, touchdown. Yeah, he, it was Taylor.
0: Um, that, was a, that was a run check. That was a – it was a pass play from third and six, uh, or third and goal from the six or five, and they run check it, and Taylor, boom, into the end zone. So – you know, we can't lose sight of those as well. Um, but this is a big thing for Frank Reich. It, it goes back to the draft last year, or the combine last year. I was there listening to Jordan Love from Utah State, and he was talking about just how little he does at the line of scrimmage. Um, and that's such a big prerequisite for Frank Reich, protection-wise and uh, check-wise as well. So I think Philip really helps you out there. But again, Ross... Rules are rules, but you've got to adjust those rules. And just because the box says this, there's times where you guys got to be like, you know what, mano y mano, I think this is the best chance we have to produce here. And we're not winning in this facet of the game, so maybe we got to do something
1: else. He does do a good job checking to the run in certain scenarios that are like third and six or third and five. You can tell it passes on, gets Taylor behind Quentin Nelson.
0: Yeah, and it just some of it, I guess, just becomes down to – you know, you, you hear Frank and Nick Sirianni talk about Jonathan Taylor in these last 48 hours, and it it wants me to bang my head more against this table and how Jonathan Taylor touched it two times as a ball carrier when you got up 24-7. Like, the, there is an element, again, of players, not plays. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, in blitz, you're running to bomb no matter what. Mm-hmm. I don't care who your wideouts are. But, man... If I've got Randy Moss, <laughs> I'm throwing it to Randy Moss yeah. a whole lot more than I'm throwing it to, you know, Wayne Corbett
1: or, I don't know, whoever else you want to throw out there. So, so yep, absolutely. All right, 1924 asks, longtime California listener. Let's go. Oh, yeah, Cali boy. I may be being a homer here, but I think this loss to Pittsburgh will help ending in the long run. Losing a game like this and having to fight into the playoffs will give this team an edge or swagger heading into the playoffs. Do you agree, or am I just being a homer?
0: Nineteen twenty four. If I didn't know, I would think this could be Linda Reich
1: sending (laughs) in a question. You know, (laughs) boy, this sounds like Lisa Lovers or
0: Colleen Bowen trying to give a little spin here when when Ross or Kevin come home and things don't go well. Um, It's it's interesting. Uh, First off you got to get into the dance for this to even matter. And yeah. that's, I think, what it, like, if Pittsburgh, you know, Pittsburgh's tailspin late, okay, maybe you can spin that. They're still going to get in. Yeah. The, 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 now they've won the division. Like, okay, maybe this has been the wake-up call that they needed. But, again, you've got to get there to to try and prove what this point is. But still, man, I, I can't go fully there. I don't, like, laugh at this question totally because I do think there are times, I mean, look at the Colts' Super Bowl run. Mm-hmm. They give up how many rushing yards to Jacksonville in December two thousand six? Jones, Drew, and and Greg Jones. I don't even know who all the running backs were, but they were. I mean, they were running. We all read the Bob Kravitz line. The only thing that stopped them was the uh, was the goalpost, or was the you know nothing. They had two hundred fifty some yards rushing against the Colts. Wake up call. Rob Morris inserted into the starting lineup. Bob Sanders gets back healthy. The rest is history. But the problem is the Colts had no have no margin for error. Yeah. And I would rather have a home playoff game. Like, if you would have won Sunday, you would be playing to win the division with just beating the freaking Jacks. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And now you got a home playoff game instead of maybe a trip to Orchard Park where that Buffalo team,
1: yeah. man, if they play Kansas
0: City tomorrow, Ross. I hope <laughs> Yeah.
1: So, boy, 1924. Means- I, I think it. I, I, I appreciate the question. I really think it depends on what happens on Sunday too. If the Colts sneak in by barely beating Jacksonville, and let's say the Bills beat the Dolphins on a last-second field goal, yeah. But if you pummel the Jacksonville Jaguars like you should, the Texans take care of business against the Titans. All of a sudden, you win the division. I can see that giving you a little bit of an edge or swagger. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's certainly a great – I mean, trust me, I I think about that with Notre Dame all the time. I try to think of, oh, yeah, boy, getting your ass kicked by Clemson? Okay, that maybe could turn out well, but Mm -hmm. then I kind of look in the mirror and I probably change my tune. All right,
1: Huzma, Humsma, Humza, Humsma. That sounds good. Uh, He says, hey, KB, really enjoy the pod. Thank you. In tight games, it seems like this team is constantly 50-50 on both sides of the ball the defense either starts bad and then fixes it in the second half he references cleveland green bay first titans game first texans game or starts great and gets destroyed in the second half baltimore and pittsburgh the offense generally starts well and then fades so clearly the offense game plans well throughout the week and then can make adjust, then can't make adjustments but the defense can seem to only game plan well during the week or make adjustments is he right or is he just done, does he's he asks am i right in understanding this or do i just not understand the game of football can you explain how the process of in-game adjustments works?
0: Well, I think in-game adjustments are constant.
1: Certainly on the defensive
0: side of the ball, that
1: they're very series-to-series. Series.
0: Offensively, and I thought Frank was really candid with this on Monday, he scripts the first 15 to 20 plays. Really doesn't deviate too much from that. He scripts the first 15 to 20 plays of the third quarter as well. Now, he does that during the week. That gets adjusted slightly at halftime depending on, you know, score and and what worked in the first half. And and basically what Frank says is you're going to call your good stuff early. Like, you know, you you obviously think that that's your best stuff. You want to get off to a lead. And he said the big challenge is how do you then use that in the second half but use it in more of kind of an art form? Like, okay, we know that we have an advantage with T.Y. on this corner, but, like, how do you maybe – get him in a slot versus outside or you put him in a stack or bring him in motion, like things like that. So um, again, I kind of go back to what I said earlier. I think it's more of just like water finding its level. But having said that, it is wild to me how there's been so many games this season where it's like first half offense. Great. Mm -hmm. Second half offense suck. Yeah. First half defense suck. Second half defense. Great. Like just like that blanket of a statement. Yeah. Um, There's been so many games like that this year, but I just think consistency over 60 minutes is difficult to achieve, but it's what separates, you know, Kansas city and Buffalo versus, you know, Indianapolis and, and, and the Raiders and then, you know,
1: a whole different level to the Jags and the jets. Sure. All right. Josh here, Josh, Josh asks, there was a lot of hot seat chatter before the season for Reich and Ballard. If we didn't make the playoffs, I always thought that was silly, especially in a COVID year. But if the Colts go 11-5 and, and miss the playoffs, are we still going to have to hear about their jobs being in jeopardy? Um, I
0: think what we said on the podcast, Josh, was the seat should be getting warmer. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like I was saying, this is a results-oriented business at the end of the day. Um, I, I think we contributed a whole podcast to it. A big thing for me this season was well, how. What are you doing without Andrew Luck?
1: Yeah,
0: you know you entered this year I think eleven and twenty one without Luck. Um, obviously that record speaks for itself. Now ten and five without him, that's a huge step up and, and is very necessary. So in no way do I think they will be or should be fired. Now having said that, I will say this Sunday, and I will say this with a lot of confidence in this thought. Um a loss on Sunday would be one of the more embarrassing losses in franchise history. Uh, we can get into this more in three keys in prediction, but the Jaguars are terrible. They are much more injured than the Colts. They've lost 14 straight games and you're a 14 point favorite. And that line will, well, the Costanzo news might, might keep it a little bit more level, but as of right now, 14 point favorite, that's the biggest in over a decade for the Colts. So, again, not even saying what's at stake, but just purely 60-minute effort against another football team, it would be extremely embarrassing. But uh, I don't think they are in jeopardy of losing their jobs, nor do I think they should be. But 2021 is huge. It'd be hu- I mean, it's, it's huge. Um, you have to start producing. I, I think we had a few more of these questions um, that we can get into a little bit later, but um josh it it needed to be warmer this year but uh you know it's like if you got one of those seat warmers in your car which <laughs> i never really had till i got a new car a few years ago you know they kind of got three levels of the seat warmer like you know i think this year it was just on that first level
1: mm-hmm. um next
0: year it's it's teetering between two
1: two or three yeah but if they get in maybe win a playoff game uh, you turn the the, the heater off the, the ac seat. might be on yeah, if you if you make it to february yeah Shit. for sure all right, Matt. Matt asks, I do not have faith in Phillip with a two minute game winning drive. I think he has been a major upgrade over Jacoby. Just don't trust him when the game's on the line. What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I think that's really fair, Matt. Um you cannot get into obvious passing situations. I mean, just think about that final drive, Ross, on Sunday. It was so dink and dunk.
1: It was. I mean it, it yeah, there was no like- there was no rhythm flow. It it just it almost felt like everything was just lucky Yeah, um, when was, when we advanced the chains. It was like, you hope T.Y.
0: Hilton makes that dude fall down again, or you hope Trey Burton can catch it maybe for three yards and then go out of bounds yeah. instead of catching it for two yards and going out of bounds, which I, yeah, his game management was interesting there, just realizing time and score where he was on the field. But um, I, I think that is the missing ingredient for me if you do make the playoffs. We talked about it in the Houston game where you came back and took the lead you were tied, mm-hmm. and you drove down the field. T.Y. had the big play down the middle, You know the offensive player of the year. But still, coming from behind with a big drive late fourth quarter,
1: that is something we haven't seen all year long from this football team. Agreed. I think that's a good point, Matt. Um, Jordan asks, how will you evaluate the season if the Colts go 11-5 and miss the playoffs?
0: So this is kind of similar to what Josh was saying, but I'm glad you phrased it this way, Jordan. Um, an 11-5 season and you miss the playoffs, it will be disappointing. You have to take each season in its own entity. Like eleven and five, most years, really good. Yeah, really good. Eleven and five for the Colts. What? Didn't they go eleven and five each of Luck's first three years? I'm pretty sure they did. Um, But eleven and five in this wild 2020 season, and missing the playoffs would have meant that nearly half of the AFC was better than you. And and that's how you have to look at it. Like, you are measured by each year in its own kind of individual um, atmosphere, if you will. And in this year, seven other teams in the AFC will, uh, under this scenario, will have been better than you. Mm -hmm. And and that's a disappointment. Like, you don't trade the 13th overall pick for DeForest Buckner and give a 38-year-old quarterback $25 million to go sit on your couch in the month of January. Yeah. So... 11-5, Eleven and five. It's still. So, I mean, it, it, it's it, it's a nice record, obviously. I mean, six games over five hundred. But when you're comparing it to the teams around you, you can't call it a success. It, it's sure. it's it, it, it's disappointing. Um, I, I I think I mentioned this maybe on last week's podcast.
1: Ross, the Colts favored in fifteen of sixteen games this year. I, I was about to elaborate just a little bit, Jordan, on their strength of schedule. Yeah, you know they they. 11-5 and five is great. You know, I, I think I'd sign up for that at the beginning of the year. But with the strength of schedule that they've had, God, again, if they miss the playoffs on that, it, I think disappointing is the right word. Yeah, I think it's the easiest strength of schedule in the AFC, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Um, and I think Kansas City
0: is the only other team in the league to be favored as much as the Colts were this season. Wow, so I didn't know that. Yeah, it's something that I was shocked by when I first saw it as well. Uh, now a lot of those are you know, just a couple point favorites, mm-hmm. but still um, – So, yeah, Josh – or Jordan, sorry. It is – it would be a disappointing season because you made some win-now moves. And there's an element of creating a winning culture, creating a culture that experiences January. You referenced Buffalo Mm -hmm. losing in the first round of the playoffs last year with a lead, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they had a lead. Um, You got to learn from that. It Mm -hmm. took Peyton Manning six years to win his first playoff game. It took Peyton Manning nine years to get to a Super Bowl. Like, this – I almost cussed this this stuff just doesn't happen yeah. falling out of bed yeah. so um I, I i
1: think that's an element that would be disappointing as well absolutely why again why it asks why does reich think all of his players are created equal why does he think Chaz green is equal to braden smith they're not obviously in all caps why not have a tight end help chip or something <laughs> Uh, I mean Wyatt the Colts did give Chaz Green a little help now
0: there are times obviously the strip sack by Watt um, was not one of those times that they helped him out there. Um, I, I don't think he's cre- he's treating everyone equal. I, I now I think there are times where he probably isn't as I don't know willing to give help or he d- he is pretty bullish on his players. But I also sit here wide and think to myself, man, it's a tough balance. Yes, I, I, I think, and I tweeted this out, I know, before the final drive. I'm like, you've got to help Jazz Green, and you've got to help him every damn snap. Yep. But again, the byproduct of that is, okay, now it's Hilton, Pittman, Paschal, and Hines only going out. And Jack Doyle's staying in the block. Or Jack Doyle goes out, and Hines is staying in the block. Like, and and that's, that's what is such a tough balance, Um, And why, again, offensive tackle depth should have been addressed in a more serious manner.
1: Um,
0: So, yeah, why you do make a decent point for sure, but it's also a really delicate balance at at that spot.
1: Yep. Okay, David. David asks, do you think the Colts fans – do you think Colts fans would rather see Tom Brady or the Patriots win a Super Bowl? Oh, man. David. David, even when the Patriots are down and out, you're still bringing them back into our lives. Come on now, <laughs> well, I
0: mean, Ross, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw this at at you. Would you rather see Tom hoist it or uh, Belichick?
1: Hoist yeah, it? I, I, I think Tom. Um, you know, uh, growing up in that in that Patriots Colts era was, you know, just you had this deep hatred just for the Patriot logo. Yeah, I think now that Tom has moved on, it's almost I can almost appreciate the greatness as we're watching it. And if he were to win one in Tampa, I think it would definitely solidify him as the greatest of all time. Mm, boy, um, don't say that too loud. We yeah. got some, we got some Peyton fans on this listening to this podcast. Yeah, I mean, you know, seven Super Bowl rings would just be, uh, you know, unmatched. So I, I think probably see Tom win, especially because you know he's he's out of the AFC, he's in the NFC, and um, I don't know. Maybe it's because he won me a fantasy championship <laughs> this year, but. I don't okay. think I'm going Tom Brady there.
0: now. The real truth comes <laughs> out here from Ross lovers. All right, okay. We see where you're, uh, where you lie. I, I, I would agree with you. I think the Patriots are the more hateable. I think Belichick slash Patriots are more hateable. I think yeah. uh, people are jealous of Tom. You know, they just, we're, we're jealous because he's got a supermodel wife and he's good looking. He's won all these rings. Yeah. Now, selfishly, I love Bruce Arians. I wouldn't mind seeing Bruce. Yeah. Bruce. Bruce Arians, I don't know. Anybody a Joe Haig fan, former Cold? Uh Probably not. But, um, yeah, I, I just – I think, David, I honestly think fans would rather have Brady win it. It was, but, but there will be a section of the fan base, Ross, that will say, I love Peyton too much. Yeah. I don't want Tom to have any more on his resume.
1: Yeah, I, I hear you. I, David, it was really, really sweet to see the Patriots just – fall flat on their ass or on their face. <laughs> sorry sorry fans out there no, I love it let's go flat on their face this year let's go um all right Stanley Stanley asks, well that sucked um I don't <laughs> have a ton of things to criticize Ballard about or, or and I will not overreact to one loss but it does seem like he doesn't have a great eye for drafting defensive front four talent Buckner and Houston you know we're both brought into our organization so what are your thoughts on this uh thanks and please never tweet it's in the bag when we were up seventeen points. Thank you, Stanley. I've been harping oh, on that
0: forever. Up, shut up, Ross. That was the ultimate
1: jinx. Stanley, I'm
0: gonna say this because I just said shut up, Ross. But shut up you, Stanley. You know, <laughs> and thank you for all your questions and for listening to the podcast, by the way. Um, Stanley's right though. I, I would say, you know, Chris has been an exceptional drafter in so many ways. Um, but yeah, I mean, Terrell Basham and, and Kamoko Turi and Taekwon Lewis, you know, those haven't worked out. Now they found boy. When you look at that front five, front six, it's well. I guess Grover Stewart you did draft, but really everyone else is a acquisition of non-draft. Uh, Danico Autry would yeah. be another free agent as well. Alkadi Muhammad a waiver claim from the Saints. So yeah, I, I do. I would throw corner cornerback. You know, Rocky seen and Quincy Wilson. You know, being at the forefront of that, both early second round picks. I guess Quincy more middle, but Rock definitely early. Um, so yeah, I would throw those. You know, wide out. know some people would probably throw in there with I know Reese Fountain and Deion Kane were super late picks but you know obviously Campbell more injury related but you know maybe I would say maybe more whiteout evaluation because the free agents haven't hit there but uh, obviously tons of positions where they found great
1: success drafting wise but no I think it's a fair statement Stanley I agree all right Louisiana guy down south down the bayou um hey Kevin quick question for the pod at what point are we going to throw some blame on Ballard for him ignoring the offensive line depth and QB position? Just seeing mobile QB's evade pressure makes me more and more frustrated that we haven't addressed our position. I feel like he gets a, I feel like he gets a pass just based on the overall image of the roster and not those spots. Also, can you tell me what's going on with Frank Reich's play calling? It seems incompetent, inconsistent at times. Thanks. Mm. Love the podcast. Yeah. So, lots unpacked unpack there. Let's yeah. start with uh, him ignoring O-line depth and QB position. Okay.
0: Um, you know, we, we definitely have, have critiqued that. I would say O-line more than quarterback. You know, the thing about quarterback was kind of like, what were you going to do this year? It was either stay at 13, in my opinion, and make an aggressive move to trade up, or you're probably going to find some Band-Aid. Mm-hmm. And that's what they decided to do. Band-Aid, I mean, let's just be glad they didn't run it back. You know, I mean, like, you know, at least it was – they tried to do something to upgrade, and they have upgraded. I mean, quite unquestionably, it has been an upgrade. It's funny, Ross. I I kind of compare the Phillip Rivers situation for 2021 Mm -hmm. similar to the Pacers had they brought Nate McMillan back. Oh, interesting. High floor, you know where the ceiling is, and – I can reach the ceiling mm-hmm. like it, it, it's just not high enough for my liking in professional sports. The Pacers now I don't necessarily agree with the Pacers running a back fully personnel wise, but that's for a different podcast and you guys have already heard me use that. But I just think that you needed to do something different for the Pacers and to try and create an advantage. And I think for the Colts that needs to be done again, with, in regards to the quarterback position because it's such an important position. Uh, furthering and um, speeding up that learning curve at that position is vital as well. And that's why I think a rookie quarterback, a, a whatever, a first-round pick, whatever you want to call it, needs to be under center right away in 2021. So, um, right, right. And, the, and and mobile wise, I guess I should talk more about mobile because that's what he was kind of referencing. You uh-huh. know, it's like, I mean, who are you gonna get mobile wise? Yeah, as a band aid, you know, it's just because the best thing that they did with Rivers was a one year deal. Yeah, and for those of you that missed it, check out my Instagram or check out my, my 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 Twitter. I asked Philip that question today about, you know, have you thought about Sunday could be it? He was honest, Br- brutally honest, yeah, and and, and super candid. So um that's the best aspect of it is you didn't tie your hands past 2021 but you you guys know this full well a a mobile-ish quarterback
1: ranks high on my attributes for that position moving forward louisiana guy also did ask about frank reich's plane calling he says incompetent inconsistent no no okay it's not that we 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 talked a lot about that on monday okay james asks hey kevin I hope you and your family had a nice Christmas. Same to you, James. Yeah, we did. Absolutely. It was a great Christmas. Uh, is the role Kari Willis plays for us in coverage criminally criminally underrated? If you rewatch the three touchdowns Pittsburgh scores after he went off, it's hard to not think uh, that, that um, over-the-top coverage help from him could have prevented at least one of those scores.
0: James, question of the week. Um, we did not talk about this enough on Monday, going back and rewatching things. Um, that's on me. Folks, uh, Kari Wills got hurt on the punt when it was 24-7. Mm-hmm. And the next play, Rocky Sein gets beat. Yep. And we know what happens from there. Uh, Tavon Wilson, who replaced Kari, is known as a thumper. He got exposed. Um, and, you you know, really secondary depth. We know full well that was such a big issue for Chris Ballard last offseason. And now with Kari, we'll see what – as of – Us recording this, we don't know if Kari Willis and Michael Pittman have practiced yet this week, but they are both in concussion protocol. And obviously, if you miss a Wednesday practice, that's usually not great concussion-wise. But yeah, Kari Willis does not give enough credit, and specifically against Pittsburgh. Um, You are exactly right, James. His loss was felt. It was just the amount of big plays, too. And Kari does so much for them in red zone and handling kind of the disguise stuff as well. Um, I think TJ, I forget who I was asking. Oh, I was talking to Julian Blackman last week when I filled in for Dan on our new to three show.
1: So yeah, you, uh, you were spot on there, James. Thank I think you for that. That's also the genius of, of big Ben Um, and the experience he has there is, you know, recognizing yeah. Oh, yeah. the importance of, of uh, Kari and exposing it very clearly. I, I always think that Ross,
0: like I would have a coach in the press box that literally his job would be look for injuries of any note to that other team, yeah. like and, like like a limp, and yes, yeah. uh, like I, I'm not even talking about guys being taken out of the game. Yeah. Like Darius Leonard got banged up against uh, the Texans, Texans, I think yeah. it was, and like he, it was clear that he was hindered. Well, he's still in the field, okay? Tight ends, tight ends, running backs of the back, like whatever you need to do. I mean, that would be just a huge, huge part of it. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, I know coaches do that, and there are obviously staffs that pay attention to that. But like you said. Uh, credit Pittsburgh staff. Credit Big Ben for uh, clearly exposing that. Because on the Schuster one,
1: he pumped Wilson bit over yep. the top. Boom. Oh. All right, a few more here. Uh, Jason, a little bit of an angry one here. Um, but Jason does say, hey, Kev, hope you enjoyed the holidays. Um, I'm glad he prefaced it. Yeah. He let in with he nice, in, and then yeah. he's going to come in for yeah. the kill. He's a nice guy, just a little angry with what's going on right fair, now. Fair, fair. Is it finally time for the Colts fans to realize that coaching and roster management is holding this team back? From Eberflus's stupid bend-don't-break defense that lets good QBs turn it on to Reich's brutal play calling and the coach's overall inability to keep these so-called high-character guys motivated. Yeah.
0: Man, you weren't kidding. Um Yeah, Jason, it's – you know you guys know what I think of the defensive scheme, and I just think there's ways to maybe be a little bit more dictating on that side of the ball.
1: I would argue, though, just
0: like – and I guess maybe you are referring to this with your roster management. I just don't think the personnel is good enough at the key spots, Hmm. especially Mm long-term. And I'm talking quarterback. I'm talking edge rusher. Long-term – again, hear me out here, left tackle, wide out – You know, number one corner. You know, Xavier Rhodes has played at a very, very high level this year for you. He should be brought back, but he's also thirty. Yeah. So, um, I would say that, and I'll also reiterate: I do think the foundation is good. I think it's pretty stable, but certainly, um, yeah. I mean, winning communities Tuesdays is different than winning, (laughs) winning a Super Bowl. So, um, I do think that the personnel needs to be continue to be upgraded again, especially at those key spots there. Um, for sure, and yeah, you uh you know again, Reich's brutal play calling that to me is a little bit too harsh mm-hmm. um I don't think it's a motivation thing, Jason, you know um, when you go yeah. with this you know I, I I don't think that's at all. I think it's just part of how talented is this roster. I don't necessarily think that it's a top five ish top ten, I don't know maybe it is top ten, but at those spots, those spots mean so much more. It's why Houston had. Kansas city down, whatever it was last year. We were talking about 24 zero yesterday. Like, yeah. okay. They had Watson, Watt and Hopkins, like, yeah. And Laramie Tunsil, like it's your quarterback. It's your left tackle. It's one wide out.
1: And it's, you know, a bit of an edge rusher. I guess Watt plays a little bit more inside, but mm-hmm. um, you get what I'm saying. Yep. All right. Three more here. Uh, Daniel asks, hi, Kevin, keep up the great work. Thank you, Daniel. Sunday's defeat was a tough pill to swallow. It's obvious offensive tackle depth and outside corner are top priorities for the offseason. Do we deserve our 10-5 and record, or are we more of an 8-8 and football team? I feel we were very lucky in two of the Texans' victories and could easily be telling a different story right
0: now. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could look at it from that. You know, obviously, um, more of the, you know, rose-colored fan would say, well, you could be even better. You know, you should have beat Jacksonville. You could have beat Pittsburgh, things like that. Jacksonville, to me, was not, like, that close of a – I mean, yeah, it was close, but, like – it never felt like we we had a chance that game. It didn't come down to, like, the final snap yeah. or, like, you know, anything crazy like that. I, I kind of look at the two Texans game, Packer game, and Steeler game as four games that were super close. Yeah. And you went 3-1 in those. Yeah. So, I don't know, maybe go 2-2 two two in those. So, that brings your record down to, you know, 9-6, uh, and six, I guess you would be right now heading into the final week. I, I can't go full 8-8. Eight eight. Now, as I mentioned earlier, you did play the easiest schedule in the AFC, so... You know, that is something to keep in mind as well. Um, You know, the old saying of you are what your record is. Yeah. I think there's a lot of truth to that. I also think, again, there are some different 10 and 5 football teams and how they're feeling right now into week 17 or whatnot. But um, I would say probably just a hair under that. And, again, when you're 8th in the AFC, that probably is, to me,
1: that's almost a better indicator Totally, exactly who they are. Totally. Ben asks, uh, hey, Kevin, disappointed after the Steelers game, what needs to happen for our defense to be truly elite? Just an upgrade edge and corner, execution? Thanks and love the pod. Um, sorry, I'm responding to a text for one of them um, going on B later
0: today. Um Okay, sorry. Can you give us him again, Ben? Yeah,
1: sorry. So uh, he wants to know what needs to happen for our defense to be truly elite. Is hmm. it just upgrade our edge and our corner, or is it more of an execution uh, aspect?
0: Yeah, definitely upgrade there. You know, again, I don't love love the scheme, but this is it. This is what you've got. But yes, certainly edge pressure is. Um, honestly, to me, Ross, if you cured like edge rush, <laughs> like it would probably mask anything else you might be worried about. Like yeah. if I'm gonna nitpick maybe a little bit of linebacker depth, maybe a little secondary depth, but again, that's super nitpicky. Um, edge rush, dude, it's uh, yeah. It's flat out. It's exactly what what you what you need to upgrade and then, you know, corner for sure. But when you're playing the amount of zone that you do, it should
1: it's not as pressing as like, "Oh, go out on an island for mm-hmm. 60 snaps again." Yep. I feel like corner has just been a hot topic this, this week just because of the meltdown in the second half. Yeah. Um, that is a good point. All right, last one. Nick asks, "Hey Kevin, uh, first time question, long time listener. Mm, I love that Nick. Yeah. Uh, he loves the show. Thank you. I'm thinking of the ultimate Colts heartbreak special parlay to at least have something. If the worst Colts heartbreak special, or if the, if the worst happens, so the Colts heartbreak special is Colts money line, Browns money line, Ravens money line, Dolphins money line, Titans money line. Thoughts." I think I'd take the Colts out of that. How much is he? Is he saying how much he's putting on there for fifty dollars? okay. I don't know what the odds are though. I don't know. No. So did,
0: right. you, did you? Did you see the poll I had yesterday on on I did Twitter? Not, no. All right. Let me let, let me pull this up. So, um, I believe the odds are plus four sixty. Okay. On this parlay,
1: is that including the Colts money line? Yes. Okay.
0: Now some people say I'm not going to include the Colts because the odds aren't that great, which they're not. I mean they're favored by fourteen points. Yeah, And, you know, those are the real people that are like, the Colts are going to lose. So we had 72% of the polling say that they would take their plus
1: 469
0: odds. Wow. $50 bet to win 229. Now that includes the Colts. Yeah. So you need the Colts, Titans, Browns, Ravens, and Dolphins to win. If you only care about financial stake, folks, let me make that abundantly clear. There you go.
1: Yep. Are Are you doing it? I think I'm going to do it because I look at it as if it loses, then I'm paying fifty dollars to get the Colts in the playoffs, and I'll pay fifty dollars to get the Colts in the playoffs any day. There you go. That's my that's my outlook on it. I um, think Jim Irsay would pay a lot more than fifty bucks to get the team in the playoffs. No kidding. You imagine if they don't what make what if Irsay puts a hundred grand on that? Oh my god.
0: I don't know. I don't know. if Mr. Goodell and the old yeah. you know, people at Park Avenue would would, yeah. would love that. Nick. I – I think you got to lay it down. Mm-hmm. But, you know, 50 bucks, you know, we don't need to go into people's bank accounts. But, you know, if you've got means and, and, and you want to throw a little scratch on there, throw it on there. Yeah. Sounds like they aren't going to show, they aren't going to put the scores up in Lucas Oil.
1: You can't tell me not everybody in the locker rooms. No- yeah. I mean, the, again, talk about having a coach in the booth. You, you got to have someone relaying oh, that, that so information. Sure. All of them. And people will know. Um, you're going to know. There will be fans chirping, saying things. that Yeah, it'll, yeah. It'll definitely it's like the luck retirement. They're yeah. yelling yelling down on the sidelines about that. All
0: right. Is that all of them? That's all of them. Thank you, everybody, for that. Um, before I get into three keys and prediction, uh, just Happy New Year to everybody. I want to re- reiterate how much I appreciate you guys sending in thoughtful, um, <laughs> off-the-wall at times questions every single week to the podcast. I know Chris and I really, really appreciate it. And uh, I've got a lot saved that we'll get into, kind of the bigger picture stuff, whenever the offseason does happen. And then a beers with Bowen coming up next Thursday night, as long as the Colts make the playoffs. So that'll be January, I want to say it's the 7th, uh, 8th maybe? Mm-hmm. Um, 7th, January 7th at 8 p.m. So again, that'll be a beers with Bowen. But um, really, really appreciate you guys for just caring about the podcast and and, and making me think uh, because it really, yep. really means a lot, and I think it improves the product of it.
1: Download it, subscribe to it, like it, comment on it, share it, do everything. Thank you. We appreciate you guys. All right, three keys to the game on Sunday.
0: All right, man, let's start here. Colts favored right now by 14. I've got that as the seventh highest in franchise history, uh, biggest since 2009. Uh, it was at 15. It's, it's now been brought down to 14. Ross, in team history, okay, the Colts have been favored by at least 12 points 21 times.
1: They're 21-0. Wow. So uh, am I jinxing anybody here? What am I doing here? That's just that's just a stat, right? That, that is just purely statistical, uh, re, you know, relaying statistical analysis. I'm okay with that. The jinxing only happens when you say, wow, we can't lose up. this. <laughs> shut up. Um, in all seriousness, this is
0: the most pressure-packed game of Frank Reich's career. Um, I know 2018 season finale against Tennessee had the same thing on the line, but this opponent is much different. And mm-hmm. now you're three years into the 10 year and you're coming off a seven to nine season when you missed the playoffs. So um, again, like I said earlier, mm-hmm. a, a loss on Sunday would be incredibly embarrassing. And the Jags are beat up. It's Mike Glennon folks. He, he's lost 11 of his 12 last. I don't, how is the dude still in the NFL? Yeah. This was my first thought. No, James Robinson. It sounds like potential rookie of the year. DJ shark questionable as well. We mentioned Josh Allen, CJ H- Henderson on IR. Um, you just, you can't lose to them at home. They are so
1: beat up. You can't miss the playoffs. Five out of six. you just can't. You just you can't. You can't. You can't. You can't. All right. There uh, also the aspects. Sorry to interrupt. They they you know they're playing for the over number one overall pick. No 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 they 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 they, they have it. Oh they secured clinched it. Oh, because the okay. Jets won. Oh
0: that's right. They've yeah. Oh yeah. Rounds. Right. Which sorry. some people think now they'll play free. Which gotcha. again I mean yeah like these players they're they're playing for their lives. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Okay. First key no hope. Like I said. Fourteen straight losses for the Jets. They are three and twenty since last November, and I think fourteen of those twenty losses are by double digits. So when I say no hope, I mean no short fields,
1: mm-hmm. no
0: turnovers and penalties that lead to some you know easy points. No busted coverages. None of that stuff can happen. That's my first key. Key number two, obviously protecting Philip. Yep. When you have Anthony Casanza's status, it is clearly um, a huge, huge key. You know, something crazy. This kind of goes off number one, but it's like something crazy needs to happen for the Jacksonville Jaguars to be in the game. A strip sack, a pick up a fumble, and return it for a touchdown. That's crazy. Yeah. So protecting Phillip would be key number two. And then lastly, I, I say free agency, urgency, but I kind of meant, you know, T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton is one of the greatest players in modern Colts era.
1: Yeah.
0: And Sunday could be it for him. Like, this is the reality when you have Week 17 in the NFL and you have uncertain playoff future. Phillip Rivers, this could be the final game of his career or in Indianapolis. Hilton, not the final game of his career, yeah. but potentially the final game as a, as a Colt. I mean, Justin Houston, Xavier Rhodes, uh, Autry, you Autry, know, Anthony Walker. I mean, there are some notable, notable free agents uh, that are coming up here in 2021 and it shouldn't take any of that motivation it shouldn't take payback from week one to have you motivated for sunday but i just think tap into that and again players not plays and yes you ride jonathan taylor but i want to see ty hilton heavily involved because if i'm going down you got to go down with one of the best players that is on this team right now
1: at the skill group and certainly has been over the last uh decade i hope philip and ty right before the game just acknowledge that say this could be it for us. Let's just go ball. Let's just, let's just have a, have a day. That sounds like a great NFL film scene. Just a nice little
0: Philip would probably go firm handshake. T Y might go a little bit more of something exotic. Philip might not
1: be ready. It might look awkward, but at the end of the day, just get, just get a W just win baby as Al Davis would say. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's wrap things up here about the prediction and what the outlook for the rest of the week looks like.
0: Um, Colts 31, 17. So, um, I guess that's a push. Under the current Vegas situation, but I, I, I think that they will control this game. Like I said, Jacksonville is hurt, and they suck. Mm-hmm. And when you hurt and you're bad, that's not good. And so um, I, I fully expect the Colts to win this game going away.
1: I agree. Who I, you got? I'm going to take the Colts. Um, I was actually going to go 34-14. Okay. Um, so you like a little cover? I like the cover. But uh, for all of our gamblers out there, I love Colts' first half. Mm. Colts' first half, put it on the line. We're going to come out hot. We're going to come out with, uh, you know, motivation. Uh, We're going to come out steaming. And um, I think the defense will shut them down, shut Glennon down as they should. So I think Colts' first half is a lock. I do like the Colts to cover, but if they do get up big, they might coast. So who knows?
0: And, folks, you know, Ross Lubbers won you gobs of money a few weeks ago when he – what was it, over on the Colts Raiders? Yeah, Colts Raiders over. I mean, you can thank you, thank him for that. Christmas <laughs> presents. You can slide into his DMs. That would have gone um,
1: over if the, over, over it was a 70. But that was a <laughs> high sport.
0: game. That was. Um, all right, everybody. Appreciate it all. Um, boy, um, I guess I don't know what the schedule will be next week. Um, we'll just kind of leave it there. But uh, after a win, you know, we'll be here on Monday. I would say if they somehow don't make the playoffs, and maybe early Tuesday if they have the kind of exit meetings on Monday, I like to usually get through all that. But I don't know. Um, Let's not think about that. I say the Colts win, and I say they get in. I think they will get the help. I don't know where. I don't know how. But I think they will get in the playoffs and uh, be playing next weekend. Fingers crossed. He's Ross Lovers. I'm Kevin Bowen. Pray for my Irish on Friday. May Alabama be gentle with them. And may Notre Dame pull off the upset of all upsets, folks. Hope. Happy New Year, everybody. See you.